0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres.
1: Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Dave Martino put down his cocktail and he's ready to talk. <laughs> I am ready. You're ready to talk, but <laughs> now we've got. Um, a writer, and now um, she's living in France, and she's Scottish, and she, her, her book is called Mum's the Word, and uh, we've got Lorraine Turnbull. So welcome, Lorraine. Thank
0: you very much, Alan. It's great to be here. And hello, David. L- hello.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so listen, I, you know, we, we've been
1: talking before the show, and... and you seem like such a nice lady. And then when we go into the book, um, the, the you know, Mum's the Word, and we start to it's about, uh, you know, this this woman that murders her, her uh, abusive husband and feeds him to the pigs. So, like,
0: <laughs> where, where did that come from? Well, now, I have to go back in time now. Uh, I'm a lady of a certain age, obviously, and... A long time ago in the past, uh, I used to be a police officer um, in what was then Strathclyde Police and is now part of Police Scotland. And in my time in the police, uh, I was at, actually physically at, 26 murders within a five year period. Now, working in that kind of environment, and it it really was quite rough, great fun when you're young and you're not married and you don't have responsibilities, because every day was an adventure, and it's obviously just stuck with me, and they always say, write about what you know, and murder comes very easily for me to write. How many husbands have you had? (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you about, um, I'm actually on number two and I think I'll probably keep him because he's very handy around the house. (laughs) It's
1: when he gets in the way, you know.
0: Well, he's very good, he knows his place. Oh, good,
1: good. (laughs) He knows he's going to get fed to the pigs.
0: Well, we don't have any pigs, we have sheep here. Um, and obviously they are herbivores, so he's quite safe, but, uh, you know, if he oversteps the mark, I can think of one or two ways that I could probably do him in permanently and not be caught. Well,
1: wonderful. <laughs> you have to write about that, too, then, right? Oh, yeah. You know, be really good. Now, I, so when you moved to France, um, so a lot of your writing you've done there, right?
0: Most of my writing has been done here. I, I started writing in 2000, well, I started writing in 2016 and um, I had just come from uh, a great job uh, in an agricultural college in Cornwall and uh, I was writing a book about uh, sustainable agriculture. This is my, my other thing. I split my writing into two. So when I'm not murdering people, I'm writing about agriculture. So uh, the first book came out in 2019, once we'd moved here in 2017, so two years later, finally got it all together. The first book came out then, and I'm now on, I've just published number six. And I'm writing two books at the same time at the moment, one of which is a murder and the other one which is another agricultural book. So it it works for me Um, and I find it very easy to write here and I don't have the distraction of work. So, you know, I spend my day, I go out and I make sure my sheep are okay and make sure my husband's got something to do and then I come back and I decide, Am I going to write a chapter of a a murder book or am I going to concentrate on writing about an orchard? And I can swap between the two and that keeps me happy.
1: So where you live or what you're doing, your atmosphere, does it make a a big difference to how you write?
0: Oh God, yeah. It's it's funny because it's a very French thing. You know, you, you go to a bar and you can sit and have a coffee and you maybe overhear a conversation and something about that conversation or you know you've noticed someone sitting at a table next to you and that is enough to spark a story and mum's the word actually started my my friend um, who still lives in scotland we joined the police the same day and we've kept friends ever since i mean god this is like 25 30 years ago and we were talking on the phone about, there was some newspaper article and it was a, a guy who'd pushed his wife off a cliff. <laughs> and she'd be, dealing, she'd be dealing with the case and she says, oh yeah, but we all knew he did it. And I said, well, I didn't actually say that in the article. And she says, no, because we've got no evidence. But she said, we're just waiting for him to claim the insurance money and if he does it too fast, we'll have him and sometimes it's just things like that that spark it and the Mums word had come up about as um, a, a call that I'd gone to years and years ago to a farm and the guy had had an, a, a farming accident and had fallen into the pig pen and pigs aren't herbivores, they will eat anything, they are omnivores, they will eat anything and unfortunately they had... Quite a nice meal on this guy, so I had to put it into the book.
1: So, um... <laughs> yes, it's...
0: yeah, you're laughing. It's, no, it's kind
1: of funny, but uh, so it's, it's it's why do you think you write about murder then? Like, what what is it? Just because of uh, your police experience?
0: I I think part of it is the police experience. Obviously, it's not a police pr- procedural. This book is not. It's not really gory it's a cozy crime it's not a mystery well it's not a straightforward mystery i tell you who the murderer is in the very first page of the book but the mystery is does she get away with it now this is the thing for me i love to do twisty characters and twisty settings and you know, just when you think you've got your head round oh, the way that this character is, I like to just give it a little twist and you think, oh, I never saw that coming. And it's there's a bit of humour there and obviously I'm from Glasgow so the, the humour in the book is very much a dry Glaswegian humour. Now, some people like it, some people love it. For some people it's not their thing but I like to think that I write a quite well-rounded story and I've had a lot of praise for it so I'm just going to continue to write these sort of books and I think for me to to write really strong characters especially when they seem to be getting away with it seems to be a thing that really tickles me when I'm writing so this is what I want to do. Well, do, do
1: you think you need um, comedic timing I I know I do. (laughs) Do do, do you think you need uh, comedic timing to create humorous prose, Uh, kind of like a comedian, uh, a stand-up comedian needs that when, when they're telling a joke on stage?
0: I think so, but I think the way that you write also leads, you can see something coming and you're building up towards something and the reader doesn't always know um, what you're building up to, but I like to pepper the humour through. I mean, death, death is a serious subject, and you know, I, in a way, I don't really want to glorify murder and have you know all the all the disgruntled wives out there thinking, oh, I'll just buy this book and it's a, a, a basically a prescription of how to how to commit the perfect murder. That's not what it's about. A lot of it is a kind of pressure release valve, you know, they can commit the murder as this, as this character has done, along with the story, and have a laugh, and completely get where she's coming from as a character, but it doesn't mean that they're going to go out and do that. I mean, my son keeps saying to me, if Dad ever disappears, and I'm like, relax, it's not going to happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that book away from my wife.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's it's amazing the feedback I've got. And it's, I think the characters are the thing. You've got to have a story, but the characters are really important in any story. And if you can get your readers to invest in that character, you're, you're home and dry. But you've got to keep it going. And I'm very self-critical. I go back and I read things and I say, no, no, no! That's got to come out, or God, she would never do that. And I change things because I know it's not going to work. And if I can see through it, the reader can see through it. So I'm very, very heavily into editing, and I'll maybe go through ten, twelve edits before I'm happy to send it. You know, to 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 get it out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's important. It's important to get it right. Yeah, can you know it, right? So uh, how do you experience your characters? Like, what's your, what's your relationship with the characters you write?
0: Well, when I, when I was writing Mum's the Word, I started to really kind of empathize with the main character, Anne-Marie. And I, 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 there was a lot of kind of self-discovery, and I was thinking... This is really like me. This is autobiographical. And then I thought, no, it's not. No, it's not. I would have never let a guy like that push me about in the first place. And then I think as you develop the character, sometimes they just take on a life of their own. I mean, I found this in the book that I'm writing at the moment. It's just changing. And they take control and you're like, I don't want, who's this person? Who's, who's Marlon Stone? Where did she come from? But she's written herself into this story, and, and then there's this guy that turns up, and I'm like, where did he come from? And sometimes that's a great thing in a book, and you just think, okay, okay we're going we're gonna to go with it. And the point with mums, the word was that the mother of the main character ended up being quite a central you know, a a role. And a lot of the feedback that I'd had from readers was, would you do a sequel all about her? And I thought, "Mm, I don't know about that. I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't be able to do it as a murderer. It would be, you know, two two sides of the family and "Mm, I don't know. But you never know how these things are going to go. And the characters, you you have somebody in your mind's eye that you can visualise. And that would be the the physical representation of the character. But the character traits you can take from various folk that you meet, like someone you see at the bar, or your sister, or your daughter. I've written a lot about my daughter in this book, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you've got to be careful. You've got to kind of change change the names, protect the innocent. You know, make sure you don't get done for liable. But... <laughs> It's, that's part of the joy of writing.
1: Absolutely. Well, Are you the type of writer that can hear your characters? Do you have an inner monologue? I'm just trying to find out if you're hearing voices.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of the time. And I can really see them when I'm typing. it, And I type very fast. I, I, I tend to do uh, about 2,000 words a day and uh, i go back and i read it through so my my, my working I, I tend to work in the morning and the plan is i sit down and i have my coffee have my croissants and then i sit and i think right today i'm going to do a chapter that's rare um but i'll get half a chapter done and then the next day the first thing i do is read through it and that's when i start going back and editing and it's really useful because not only am i editing but it lets me pick up the story and I'm I'm in the flow again. But all the time they are, they are talking to me or they're in the background. I mean, the book that I'm writing at the moment has a swearing parrot in it. <laughs> and all I can hear when I'm typing is Billy the parrot swearing his head off. And I'm there with the main character going, for God's sake, Billy, will you shut <laughs> up? <laughs>
1: Do do, do you find yourself um, waking up in the middle of the night hearing voices and, you know, dirty shoes and and a shovel in your hand or something?
0: No, but I do wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and I've had an idea and I keep paper and a pen next to the bed and... I keep a Sudoku puzzle next to the bed as well. And if I can't sleep, if something's woken me up and it's on my mind, I'll write it down. But sometimes I have to sit and work through a Sudoku. So last night, I'd gone to bed early because I was really tired. So, of course, I woke up about 3 a.m. and did about 10 minutes of Sudoku. And then I was thinking, how did he get the money in her bag? How, how did he get the money into her bag without her noticing it? And then five more minutes of Sudoku and I'm like, it's in the library. And it just comes to you. So it's like, if I don't write it down, I can't remember. And, you know, you picture these people, they have a, a, a kind of thing going on. And when you're sleeping, it's acting it out. It's ridiculous because it's on for months. I mean, normally I take about three to four months to finish a book. And I have this nightly, during the day, when I'm at the supermarket, I'm picking up things from other people, I'm picking up ideas, character, character traits, even something about the way that they're dressed. It could be the dog that they have or the shoes that they have. And it all goes into the book.
1: Wow. You, they don't let you drive, do they? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but my husband hates it. If, he, if we're driving, I mean, it's so funny because I'll say to him could you do this thing and would it work? Like, if if you, if you had this thing in a ladder, and he was talking about ladders last week, and I said, how high would a ladder have to be on the side of a house so that if you fell and hit a patio, you would die instantly? I have conversations like that all the time with him, with my friend who's just retired from the police, with my daughter-in-law, who is, uh, she's in the police down in Cambridge, sir, and I'll have this, you know, like, because their system's different in Sc- than it is in Scotland, so I'll say, you have fatal accident inquiries. If somebody dies suddenly, is it always a fatal accident inquiry? And she's like, I can't talk about this. And I'm going, oh, it's a general question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're still very romantic with the husband then. <laughs>
0: well it is it's funny we have we, we have a very we have a very good relationship we've been married now nearly 19 years i do not know how he puts up with me he never reads any of my stuff he says he doesn't need to read it because i talk about it all the time <laughs>
1: Yeah, he doesn't want to know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, why did you uh, join the police? Was that is there a particular reason and and why you liked policing? Oh, God, money. Money, that was it. Money. money,
0: yeah. Before I joined the police, I was uh, a library assistant. And, um, God, what age was I? I was 27 when I applied and I was 28. I was quite old to go in as a new recruit. Everyone else who joined was a a lot younger. I think my friend Joyce was about three years younger. I was one of the oldest ones there. But it was purely money. And um, I remember talking to my mum about it. And I'd said, you know, and she was like, oh, it's so dangerous. And I'm like, yeah, but it's so well paid. I'm getting double the salary. Um, and it was great, and I never looked back. Every single day was different. You were mixing with all sorts of people. I mean, like, without putting too blunt a, a phrase on it, you were meeting with pure scum of the earth, uh, and then on the other hand, really sort of famous, quite rich people um and you never knew what you were going to be doing from one day to the next and i absolutely loved it and i was getting paid what to me was an absolute fortune so yeah
1: when you're when you're writing and stuff like that um how was how it with the pandemic being that um atmosphere means so much to oh, you did it sort of get in the way
0: yeah i found that very hard i mean we were we were here and i I have a big garden and even, we, we were we were really kind of, at, at first it was, uh, you can go to the supermarkets and you can go to the shops, uh, but you have to fill out a form and it's a timed form. must look right, okay. If you want to go for a walk outside your own property, you can't go more than a kilometre and it has to be timed. I found that incredibly hard. And... I've got to say, my husband was brilliant. So we used, we had a kind of pattern of things that we did and we went out for a walk in the morning and then we went out for a walk in the evening. And during the day, I used to spend most of my time in the garden. Um, but it was, God, it was so hard. And I brought out during the pandemic, I brought out two books a year because my escape was through my writing and I mean, I I just hope to God we never have a situation like that again. I think, in a way, it was very good because it made the relationship between me and my husband a lot stronger. My kids were devastated because being in the UK and me being in France, you know, you have all these visits organised and they just can't go ahead. So we were talking on Zoom, we were talking on FaceTime, but it's not the same and I, I, I remember my son, I, I'm very close to my son, and I remember him crying down the phone saying, I'm definitely coming for Christmas next year. And I'm like, oh, okay, this, this is okay, this won't last forever, but well, it was so hard. And of course, at the time, none of us knew how long it was going to last. So I channeled everything, all my anger and my, my, my frustration into writing. So... um. I brought out two books and I just concentrated on that and set myself a little goal of trying to learn something new every week. So I would learn about Amazon ads or I would learn how to use Canva. Uh, I would try and practice my French and I just tried to to use the time constructively because I thought if I don't do this, I'm going to go down the bend and you know that's not going to help anyone. But oh God, let's just hope we never have another Thing like
1: that ever again? Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully, it's another hundred years, you know, so we don't have to worry about it. But
0: as long as I'm dead, I don't
1: care. (laughs) They'll bring you back just for it.
0: No, 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 no resurrecting the dead. No.
1: No. Well, I wonder. So, do you think? Do you think? I always ask that when people write during that time. Do you think you got? uh, You think that um, your writing would be darker, being that you're channeling some of the anger and frustration?
0: No. In fact. Um, I, I was very, I was very kind of upbeat. I tend to be quite a positive person, and I don't tend to see difficulties. I see opportunities. So I thought I've got all this time. Uh, I brought out a book about how how to go about living in France. It's called How to Live the Good Life in France. And I thought, right, it's been out a year. I'll do a new edition. So I, I went all the way through it and updated it, updated the links, uh, changed a couple of chapters and I brought out the second edition. So that was good, that was a good thing to do. Uh, And then um, wrote another book, can't remember which one that was, and then uh, started writing Murder at the Mulan which, it's not as funny, there's some there's some nice comic touches in it, but it was mainly about France, so that was quite nice to do. But the book that I'm writing at the moment, which I started about a month ago, it's set back in Glasgow, and, oh my God, I don't know how many people are going to die by the end of this book. I mean, she's already got one, one is gone, there's definitely going to be another one, and I think there might be a third. <laughs> It just depends, because I don't know what she's going to do.
1: <laughs> out of control.
0: Yeah. But see, she's she's looking at it as she does her care. She's got terminal cancer, and that can be a really depressing thing to write about, but, you know, I've, I've, when you get to my age, we all know people who have passed, and, you know, I've had friends who have died of cancer, I've got a friend who's dying of cancer at the moment, and she is the most positive person I've ever met. And I thought, you know, it doesn't have to be dark and dreary. So the story that I'm writing at the moment is, and it will be called, The Bucket List. And she has a bucket list that she wants to achieve before she pops her clogs. And a couple of things on the bucket list are people that she wants to knock off. And I thought, well, (laughs) why not?
1: (laughs) Well, that says it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one question. When, when Anne-Marie Ross murdered her abusive husband and fed, it, fed him to the pigs, did she make sure he wasn't COVID positive so that the pigs don't get it?
0: Uh, no, I think the story was set before COVID. I mean, the, the, the story of the book is the farms actually come through Anne-Marie's family. So Anne-Marie's mother is still alive and sadly at the beginning of the book Anne-Marie's mother has just had a stroke and she's bedridden. Anne-Marie's trying to look after her. The husband thinks that, you know, farming is just so difficult. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He's had an offer on the farm, even though it's not his to sell. He's had an offer on the farm to be sold for building houses on. So Everything comes out in the wash, she overhears a conversation, and that is when she decides, you know, he's got to go, I've put up with him for all this amount of time, he's treated me so badly, and um, her temper just breaks, and she's worked out how to do it without getting caught, and you think, well, that's it. She's whacked him over the back of the head with a skillet, thrown his body to the pigs, Chucked on a big bucket full of pig nuts and the pigs are munching away. She's phoned the police and reported it as a tragic accident, and the police come and think, oh, gosh, you know, poor woman, you know, look what she's and her mother's upstairs in bed and and then it starts to come out. Then you find out, you know, it's not been quite as cut and dried as she thinks. She thinks she's done this, nobody's heard it and nobody's seen it. Not the case. And you've just, this is where the mystery comes in. You know, things start to unfold and you think, oh my God, is she going to get away with this? Is she going to end up going to jail? You know, what is happening? And it's the the character, you start to invest in the character. Now, I have to say, the abusive husband is not the only person to die in the book. Mm -hmm. They start to take on a life of their own, as these things do, and... You know, sadly, another couple of guys die. And I was telling my brother, and he said, why is it all guys that die? And I went, they deserved it. And he went, you write another book, are you going to make the women die? And I went, well, I don't know, I might do that.
1: (laughs) Well, as long as it's not the local radio guys, you know.
0: No, no, no.
1: No.
0: (laughs) Although, although. I mean, it's. I went to a radio interview in North Devon and it was at 10 o'clock at night and it wasn't that far away from where I lived in Cornwall so I drove up, nice drive, up beside the sea, went in to see this guy, so he was a smallholder like me, he had animals, we would get chatting and I thought, you know, you could murder him in here then no one would know you just put a couple of put one of these tapes on that they put on you know with the music that goes for 15 minutes and nobody talks no one would know
1: oh there you go
0: there are opportunities everywhere this is the thing and and it's just having that kind of possibly slightly warped mind that you can see opportunities everywhere and i'm sure this has come because of the police. i'm sure it has yeah, yeah. oh
1: what, so when someone picks up A book um, and reads it like let's say Mums the Word um, what do you hope that they take away from that book or what do you hope that they get from that book
0: well I hope they enjoy the story I hope they enjoy the writing now Mums the Word is set in West Central Scotland and apart from the weather it's beautiful it's beautiful and you know, it's it's set on a cider farm, which means there's lots of apple trees, and it is based on a house that I lived at once a long, long time ago. And I hope that people like the poetic description. I do do that quite well, I think. Um, and I hope that people enjoy that, and they can visualise the area. They can, you know, they can... Immerse themselves in the writing and be in the place. And I think a sense of place is so important in books. I mean, whether it's, whether it's a murder book or a romance or, you know, a horror or a sci-fi, if you don't have that sense of place, your reader can't really, you know, invest in it. So I hope they get that from it. I'd like to think, that the humour comes out as well, especially Mum's The Word. I, I enjoyed writing it and I know I'm the writer and it's my sense of humour. But my daughter read it and apart from the critical things she was saying, like, you've used this word three times in that sentence, you need to edit it. But she said, that's actually really good, Mum. And she says, I bought three copies to give to my friends for Christmas presents. And I thought, that's what I want, that's what I want. And... It's great when you get a little bit of feedback, and, and the great thing is, if you, if you, I don't know if you do this, David might do it, I don't know, but I read every single review I get. <laughs> I read the bad ones, and I read the good ones. So one of the books that I'd written before, it was very autobiographical, and a guy had given me this review, and it was... There's no way these things could have happened in this book. And I'm reading it on the screen and I'm going, it's true, it's true. Everything that I wrote in that book is true. Um, and it's some of the reviews I got for Mums the Word were brilliant. They really touched me. And they're useful to go through because sometimes you see patterns in And so you're reading your review and you're thinking, they all like that, can I wonder if I can develop that in another book. So in Mums the Word isa is the mum and i'm thinking maybe i will come back to that or do a prequel but there's everyone wants to know more about isa and isa's story so it's good to have so you know it depends every reader's different and i think i don't know a lot of readers tend to focus on one genre they like romance books or they like books that are set in a foreign country or, you know, Cozy Crime, everybody everybody likes Agatha Christie. So it's interesting to see what people are looking for.
1: How do you um, create your main character or characters, like when you have one or two main characters, are you putting a lot of yourself into it or is it really kind of based on someone you, you've you seen?
0: I think the main character in Mum's the Word, the Anne-Marie one, there's a lot of me in there. The I one. I would say I can I can picture her in my head and she's a famous Scottish actress she's getting very old now but I I can just see her doing the dialogue and a lot of the the character traits were based on a a, a very good friend of mine who died about 15 years ago and Whenever I read it, and it's and it's funny. Sometimes I'll just pick the bo- pick a book up and I'll just read through it. And it's I've opened it for a reason, like to check the size of the font, something like that. And I find a sentence and I start I start reading it again, and I just it takes me back to to that person. I mean, the 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 baddie in Mum's the Word, the guy who is the husband who gets murdered right at the beginning. I mean. It's not been based on my first husband or anything like that, but <laughs> it's a mishmash of people that I have met, absolutely obnoxious characters that I have met in the past. And it's just like Frankenstein's monster. You take a bit of this from that person, a bit of that from that person, you know, maybe this guy's job or, or whatever, and you put it together. And some things work. I mean, the, 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 when I started writing the book... He had a different name. And it was only when I got into the second chapter and I thought, this isn't this guy's name. He's a a Billy. He is a Billy. So it was like I went back and changed it. So, you know, you don't know how things are going to turn out. Or, you know, you get to chapter five and you realise, even though you can picture that character quite clearly in your head, you haven't made it clear to the reader what she looks like. And, And I know when we're all reading a book... And this is the thing, you read a book and then the film comes out. And because you've read the book, you have this mental image of that character. And then the film comes out, you think, that's nothing like them.
1: So are you taking people you don't like and you kill them? Yeah. Like people people yeah. that do bad reviews? <laughs> yes. Someone gives you a bad review, you. you yeah,
0: I'll just note down their name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, no. so you, you, you kind of said what you want people to get out of it, like enjoy the book and the entertainment and stuff, but do, do you ever put kind of a subtext in it? Do you ever have a, kind of a meaning you hope people pick up?
0: Yeah, uh, I had a review from um, a book reviewer who tends to review uh, non-fiction stuff about domestic abuse. And I was a little bit concerned. She 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 got in touch with me and I said, but I'll send you I'll send you a, a you know, a file, you can read the book. And obviously there is that dark subject about domestic abuse and why Anne Marie kills her husband in the first place. And it's there's there's physical abuse and I tend not to make it graphic. You know it's happened, you have by reading the book, you know what this guy has done. But I don't want to put my readers off by going into that in graphic detail. I hate reading stuff like that and I don't want to write it, but I think domestic abuse, whether it's physical or mental, is such a pervasive thing right through Western society right now that to write about it kind of brings it out into the open a little bit. And I think that's only a good thing. Now, there's obviously the subtext, this guy has been an abuser and he gets what he's deserving. However, as I said before, I'm not advocating that, you know, we go around killing people because, you know, they're, they're abusive or they've done this or that or whatever. Um, because then, you know, it's advocating violence and it's making us just as bad as they are in the first place. But the aim of this story was to show that This woman, who has been physically and mentally abused by this guy for the last 30, 40 years, not only has she got rid of him, but she has regained her confidence. She has been empowered. She starts to pick up her business again and make it work. Now, yes, it has all happened because she's killed the bloke, but... I wanted to try and show that you can recover from stuff like this and that it shouldn't be just swept under the carpet and kept quiet. I mean, in the book, her mother knows fine what has been going on in the house because she's been living in the house as well. And even though the abuse has been secret, she knows, she knows her daughter, she knows what's been going on. And without giving the game away, I'll just say that Isa tends to help her daughter in the book. So, you know, there is that subplot of domestic abuse. There's there's also the, the subplot of women empowerment and, I mean, I used to work in an agricultural college perfectly you know I want to make sure that people understand that women can do the same kind of job as a guy okay physically we are different uh, but you know you can you can use tools and machinery to help you do things that you probably couldn't physically do on your own but there's an element of that in this and it's it's just an empowerment of women I think as well is the subplot with this and friendship. Um, Anne Marie has really good friends, and they all stick up for each other, and their friendship bonds strengthen as the story goes on. So, and that's that's a nice way to end the story. Um, that you know they've they they succumbed um, to things that have happened in their lives earlier on, but they've surmounted that and they've moved on, and they have grown as as characters. It's not like me at all, but that sounds very good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, even though it's it's not written graphically, uh, when you when you're writing things that are dark, uh, do you need time to decompress between scenes and chapters, or can you can you move on?
0: Yeah, um, I think, the, as I said, the the first murder is committed on the very first page, and then it's the cleanup it's the cleanup after it is has gone into in, in in a little bit of detail and i went over and over and over that scene in my head acting it out in my kitchen seriously for weeks um because the whole point was to make it realistic that she got away with it and and sometimes you have to it's like it just gets so much and you think i've got to leave this um and once I finished chapter one, I think I walked away from the book for three weeks and just did completely different stuff and ignored it. And then went back and read through it. And there was things that I'd written on a check sheet that I didn't want to 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 kind of dwell on. So it was like, is it gory? Is the character developed enough? Is the crime realistic? Is the cleanup realistic? what would be the follow-up as far as the police were concerned. So there was a lot of checking up because, I don't know about you, but it's if I'm reading a book and there's something, it's like, okay, right, here we go. People who don't live in Scotland or who have never lived in Scotland, they go on and on in a book about a description of Scotland. So Billy Connolly, who I'm sure you've heard of, once said in one of his shows that some singer had gone on and on about the blue misty hills in Tyree. Now, Tyree is an island off the west coast of Scotland. It is as flat as a billiard table. There are no misty hills. There are no hills at all. There are no trees on Tyree. It is literally like a green billiard table. I read some things in books, and they're totally unrealistic. You know, it's, it, and you read about, you read about characters doing such and such, or. They've done this thing, they've committed this murder, and and I just pick holes in it because, you know, even though times move on and it's a different world forensically now than it was in Agatha Christie's day, but there are just things and you think, that would have never happened, or there's no way she could have done that. (laughs) And and, and it's terrible. I sit there now and it's like we've been sitting watching this um, series on Netflix, and it's brilliant. It's 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 absolutely fantastic, and I love it. And I the praise to the writers, but there have been things on it, and I'm like, that is just not possible. And my husband's going, Will you shut up? I'm watching that, and I'm like, There's no way he could have done that. That wouldn't happened and you would never get that amount of blood. And he's going, Will you shut up?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Spoiling the show.
0: Yeah, but you can't help it, and it's. I mean, it's like when, when I talk to my friend, she says, who are you murdering this week? Because she was in the police and she's interested. And I'm saying, da, da, da. And she says, I'm going to send you this clipping from a paper, from the local paper, and see what you think of it. And then I'll read it and then we'll chat about it. And she'll say, you know, it's really obvious. It was really obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it, it's fantastic. But, uh, you know, it's, I think we have a grudging admiration. And it's very funny, when you're in the police, I was in the police for over five years, you get very hardened to things. They're not really real, unless they've happened to someone who you know personally. Um, it's not really real. And it takes you a long time. When It's like when I left, it took me about three years to feel things like, I would imagine a normal person in parenthesis they, they would feel about murder death you know things like that and it it was like you would go to so many break-ins and and it was nothing to you because you're just thinking Oh, I'm going to have to go for my break in 20 minutes and I just want to try and get a list of these things from this woman and blah, blah, blah. And you, and this is the most devastating thing that's ever happened to this woman. She's never had her house broken into before. And you forget that. And it's the same with murders. When, when we joined the police, the very first thing we got when we were at police training school was a little booklet that you had to tick the box for every single different crime. So, like, um, murder tick the box, being to a murder, you know, a drunk driver, tick the box, being a drunk driver. And we sat there at the end of six weeks, so we'd, we'd do the course, and then you'd be sent back to wherever it was that you were stationed, and you would do eight weeks out in the street doing your thing, and then you would go back, and, and it was like, it was like a, a game, you would say, I've had four murders and three drunk drivers, and they'd say, well, I've had six assaults and two stabbings, you know, and and it means nothing, and I'm very aware of that in the in in my writing that this is a huge thing for people because normal people don't come across murderers every day, and you you know it's 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 trying to re-educate myself to write in a way that um, conveys the, the 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 horror. I mean, poor Anne Marie, she's killed her husband. Yeah, she's cold-bloodedly gone out there, whacked him in the back of the head Uh, when he's been standing on a wall. He falls into the pig pen and she goes in to finish him off. And and for someone reading that, that's quite shocking. But for me, as an ex-police woman, that's everyday life. But I can't put that... Because it would be boring, it would be clinical, and I have to get into the character's head to portray... A woman who has had a really boring life for her 40 years and has suddenly snapped and the anger and the rage and and everything has built up and I have to convey that through my writing to the reader. But I want to do it and not have it like really gory and you know there's brains splattered everywhere. I'm not into that but I had to make that first opening scene so memorable. That the reader wanted to read on to find out: Did she actually get away with
1: this? Did doing that, like working in the police when you got out of it. Did you sort of find yourself looking at people as criminals, sort of? You know.
0: Well, have you ever been in Glasgow? Uh
1: no, no. That's as far as north as I've been as Blackpool. So.
0: Right. So. Um, when we lived in Cornwall, one, one of the things that people used to say, they get to chat to you, and obviously the accent is a real strong giveaway from where we're from, and people would say, is, is Glasgow really as rough as you know you see on the TV? And I'd say, Yeah And they'd go, no but, no, but is it really? And I'd say, oh yeah, it's really, really rough. And, I mean, when, when John and I lived there, we wouldn't go into Glasgow at night. <laughs> it was like you know, people would say, "Oh, why don't you come along to this thing?" And I'm like, "No," <laughs> <laughs> you know. And um, there was there was areas in the city that you just, I mean, God, you didn't even go there during the day. And and you know, people would say, "Oh, yeah, but it's not like it's not like what you see on the news, and these are isolated incidents." And you know, you would you would say to them, actually. You know, it's you. You live in a nice house in a nice suburb, and you know your kids are normal. They're not drug dealers. They're not, you know, they're not running into the house being followed by a guy with a hatchet. And a, and you know, this happens. And and it, it's amazing the things that you've you've seen and that you've experienced. And the the area in Glasgow that I worked, which was. Uh, on the west side of Glasgow, just outside a, a, a city called Paisley, which was uh, in the in the nineteen uh, nineties, was the drug capital of Europe. Um, it was every day, every single day, there was at least one murder, and like thousands, thousands of incidents of. Like drug abuse, people being found dead due to drugs, uh, drug runners getting done every day. We were at court all the time, without trying to, without trying to see. You know, <laughs> you know there was some lovely people and there was some there was some nice areas, but there's always that dark undercurrent, and that's how it was there. Don't let it put you off, Alan. You have to go and visit Glasgow.
1: No, that's all right. <laughs> no, no, I'm done traveling I think. But.
0: I think it's like Glasgow is, Glasgow was at one point, not that long ago, a, a, a European city of culture. And it is one of the cities in the UK that has the most parks, it has fantastic art galleries and beautiful architecture. But there is this undercurrent and it's just, and I don't think it will ever go away, I think it will always be there. Now, I'm not always going to set all my, my, my murders in Glasgow, but it's really helpful because I like the Glaswegian humour, I like the characters that, that I, I know from from my childhood. Uh, and I know the setting I mean I've set one murder in France and it was lovely but it's just not got that dark undercurrent and I don't want to write the same as like Val McDermott or you know these other uh, writers who write about crime and you can tell by the covers they're all they're loads of blood it's really really dark I don't want to write dark I, I don't want to do that I want to still write murder but I want to make it slightly cozier. Yeah, there's a murder, but it's more about the characters and there is a bit of humour in there. So sometimes it's quite dark humour, but that's just, I think, the way I am, so...
1: Yeah, right about the happy part of murder. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so so listen, so um, now, do you have a website? Do you do social media? Where do people find Lorraine?
0: Oh, God, no. I do do Twitter, but I'm very political, so we won't go there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's really, right.
1: Americans aren't political.
0: <laughs> oh, God, oh, I'm oh, yeah, really political. Really, I'm amazed I haven't been banned off Twitter yet, to be honest. Uh, I do have a website now, which is l- LorraineTurnbullAuthor.com. Uh, and that's just a new thing. I just started that in January because... Everyone kept saying, oh, you need to have a website. Uh, Facebook, I am Lorraine Turnbull author, and I do do Instagram, but I'm thinking of ditching that because, I don't know, Instagram just doesn't really kind of do it for me. So the Twitter thing more a kind of personal thing. I do tend to put stuff about my books, but Facebook, uh, as I said before, I write either murder or I write agricultural, and I've got a big following Uh, in some of the the farm groups and small holding groups on Facebook and that's great, it keeps me sane, I go out in the morning, I pat my sheep and, you know, they follow me around the field and and I love all that, but, you know, I sit there and I think, Frank Egan has to die. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then it's like, it has to be really quite bad. It has to be something that he deserves because he's so bad. <laughs> so it's it's it, 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 it's funny and it's like and I and I do put things on social media and people are great. It's like I'll I'll put little cryptic things like who's been on a cruise and then someone will private message me and say you can't put them off, you can't bump them off the back of a boat because they've got cameras now, and I'm like. Oh okay, so and then they'll they'll suggest something else, and then somebody will say something in it twice an idea, and then I'll go off and I'll research like taxine poisoning <laughs> you know and and it's great it's absolutely fantastic, but you know it's it's I love that, I, I do love it, and, and I like to think that the people that I murder all deserve to die, and I'm really doing this kind of subconscious favour, I mean, everyone has a bad time, I mean, my husband today decided to take all the worktops out of my kitchen when I was trying to do a really crucial bit of writing in chapter four of the, the book that I'm working on. And my God, he was hammering and sawing, and I, I, I don't know what he was doing, and I kept saying, look, I'm trying to work. And he says, no, 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 I've started this now, I have to finish it, I'm taking all these worktops up, and I'm like, I'm trying to work, I can't think, there's too much noise. So of course I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I've got this Frank Egan, blah, 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 and then all I can hear is the drill, and I'm thinking, you know one of these days i am absolutely going to kill him and we've all been there there are things that either are kids or you know a member of the family christmas is a great time my god how nobody gets killed at christmas i do not know there is so much family tension and everyone's trying to be nice and we're all in our best behavior and then of course you know a couple of drinks get poured and then people say things and then you know it's everyone ends up going home at the end of the night saying you know god your brother's such a jerk and i'm like christ she is so up herself where does she get off and you know and you're thinking for me to write about how to bump someone off it could be just that little pressure release for someone who hates their husband or you know thinks that their husband's treated them really badly and if they can live through the character in the book and kill that person and then they put the book down and they move on with their life and, you know, they've had a bit of a giggle and it's been a good story. But it's 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 someone who has, you know, maybe empathised with how they're feeling because they're, you know, they're looking at the woman and they're going, my husband treats me exactly like poor Anne-Marie. I can completely understand why she whacked him, you know. And this is why I write the way I, I write and I hope... I do hope people get it. It's and it's very difficult um, because I think British writers and and I even see it within Britain, English writers write differently from Scottish writers. I mean, we're a lot more brutal, and I think we're a lot more spare in our description and, and in our stories than the English are. But American American crime books are completely different. I mean I've I've read a couple and I've had to stop and reread a whole chapter because, you know, it's some of the some of the plots are quite far fetched, to be honest. But I'm trying to put myself into a situation that I'm I'm not I'm not familiar with and it's like a red one book and it was um a cop who'd gone bad so he was the baddie and he'd married this girl she was about sixteen or something and she'd just come from home and she was like really naive, really silly and he was really abusive and controlling. And I and I'm reading this thinking just just so far fetched. But I thought, no, it's in America. It's different. They have a different way of you know, living and and even in America, there's you know there's different things from like in the south and in the north and in cities and in the countryside. And I think I think that's important. I don't know how many American readers would really connect with Mum's the word, apart from the the regionisms and and things. I don't know if they would really connect with that.
1: Mm, you'd be surprised. You never know. Yeah. You never know.
0: Well, this has been a pleasure. We're kind of out of
1: time here, so I've got to wrap her up. But uh, we've learned a lot. We learned to stay away from uh, Glasgow and and (laughs) we learned, you know, never to marry a woman with pigs. And There's all sorts of things we've got here now, so we will remember this. So now the book we're talking about is Mums the Word. My guest is the author of that, Lorraine Turnbull. So thank you for being here.
0: Oh, Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Lauren.
1: You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more
0: about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This will be a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.